Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How's everyone doing today? Amen? Sound like I got volume. Is that loud? Okay. There, they're bringing me back. Amen. Wow. Um, I'm excited to be here. Is anyone else excited to be here? <laughs> oh, Lord. I, uh, uh, Sharon and I spent a few days, our anniversary is coming up here in, on Tuesday for 31 years. And uh, so we spent a few days away in the beautiful town of Whistler. It was beautiful. And uh, yesterday we got home. But last night, um, as I was preparing and studying a bit more into what the Lord wanted to share today, um, he spoke something clearly to me. And I actually went into an encounter. I was messaging back and forth with Patricia King and a few others about some things. And, and uh, I went into an encounter. And I feel like I haven't left the encounter. I'm still in something right now. And um, I, I just, I, I, I so passionately want to release what the Lord wants released. Amen. Uh, to me, we study, we prepare, but we minister out of a heart attitude not just off our notes. I, f I believe that we in life need to be prepared with the expectation that the Holy Spirit will move things. I believe in life we need to be prepared with the expectation that the Holy Spirit will move things. Not just me on a Sunday morning, but us in life. But many of us don't take the time to prepare, but we still expect. And I feel like the Lord is saying that we have to literally transform our mindsets into preparing before the situation, instead of letting the situation force you into preparation. It's the backwards way. The right way is that we're already prepared for every situation that comes our way. So when it comes, we've actually already defeated it. But so many times we as a people, as a Christian body, don't live with the, that preparation, what happens is something comes our way and so we try to prepare or, or overcome it without the preparation leading to it. Am I making sense? So today something is happening. I know it in my spirit. I'm sensing it during worship. Two feathers showed up at my feet in worship. My wife saw them. She reached down and grabbed them. But you think, well, what's the feather for? I don't know. Maybe there's a dove flying around. I'd be happy with that. Even if it was a physical dove, I'd be happy with that sign too. Whatever it is, I don't understand the feather thing, but I will tell you what, it happens over and over and over again. I watch them appear, float down. I've seen them appear on my body. I've seen them appear on others. I've watched it. I don't understand it. And I don't need you to tell me the understanding because I have a great understanding on it, but what I'm saying is I don't understand it. I have my interpretation of what I think I understand, but if I let my interpretation of what I think I understand, then everything will be subject to my interpretation of understanding. That's a good word right there. You should go back and listen to this and write it down. Because if we think we understand something, then our interpretation of the understanding is literally dictating the truth of the revelation of the understanding. We actually can't understand the kingdom in its fullness. 
We can understand certain things that the Lord has given to us, absolutely. But we can't ever understand the fullness until you breathe your last breath and you're in heaven. Then you'll understand it fuller. But I will guarantee you I do not try to formulate. I feel like I got really loud. Am I really loud? Yeah, so we need to just bring me back here a bit. So um, I just want to blast everyone's ears off. No, oh, there's no compression. Good. I like that. See that? No compression. Compression off. No holding back. This will give me the opportunity to share with emotion. <laughs> so let's just go back to those thoughts because I'm already starting to forget them. Our own understanding of a circumstance or situation will dictate and actually become controlling. Is that gold or what is that? Something shiny right there. I can see it from here. Our understanding, our understanding, <laughs> our understanding of a circumstance, situation, or something that's happening in our lives, or something that will happen in our lives, or think will happen, our understanding literally has the power and authority to destroy it from happening the way it's supposed to. Our perspective of what church should look like literally has the opportunity to destroy what church is today. Our understanding on a sickness, a disease, can literally destroy the opportunity of us receiving a miracle. If we start to go down a path as to, God, why are you not healing me? What happens is it starts to take out the effect of what God actually wants to do. The reality is, is no matter what sickness, disease, issues we have in life, the reality is, is we've already got the victory to overcome it. I used to, when I, when I had sicknesses and issues, I used to I'd start to doubt, oh God, is there something wrong with me? Am I... People would come to me, you must be in sin. And I'm praying, I'm for, asking forgiveness for every sin. Things that I had never even thought about doing, I was asking forgiveness for. But I feel like something today, there's some shifting, there's changing that's happening in the miraculous realm. The supernatural is already heating up. I've been watching it since actually Yom Kippur, since the actual uh, uh, moving of the new year in the Jewish calendar. I've been watching an increase, a shifting, almost like at the Voice of Thunder conference, uh, uh, which was Rosh Hashanah, I feel like there was something leading up to it that ended to increase after it. But if we let our understanding step into the control of the future, what we do is our understanding from old brings in the control of old back into future, which no longer has the true understanding of God. That our thought patterns, what we carry from one season into another season, literally will dictate whether or not you and I are going to walk into the fullness of his presence at this time now if we bring in the things of the past that were wrong. I feel like there's a wiping of our minds that has to be so clarified, it has to be so cleaned up, that even myself, I have been pondering things that have gone on with people, things that have happened with people or accusations or even in my own life from the past. I have to realize, I take the power of testimony, but the testimony of Jesus Christ is never the problem, it's always the solution. And if we start living and continually live with the problems of the past, we will never fulfill the fullness of who God's called us to be today. 
And I feel like God is saying, church, arise, wake up. Canada, arise, wake up. Because we're moving into a season where the supernatural is already happening around us. But so many people are so wrapped up in what happened and what they think it'll look like that they're actually missing what's happening now. Thus, people won't come. I'm, I'm too sick to come to church. I'll tell you what, if you're too sick to come to church, you got the wrong attitude. wrote a few things down in worship even when I don't see you even when I don't see it you're working (laughs) it's so good that his workings aren't subject to our eyesight which is our own understanding even when I don't feel it you're working how many times don't raise your hands, but how many times have you often felt like God's not working in your life well let me tell you it's a lie of the devil or else you slam the door shut So wake up, rise up. If you're not feeling him, find him. Big H, him. You never stop working. That is who you are. God's a worker. And you're, in my understanding, he'd be called a workaholic. He's just a doer. He's a worker. He's a lover. He's everything good. Everything. I'm going to say this because it came to me during worship. God does not send sickness on his people to teach them. But he is always aware of sickness. Old covenant, different than new covenant. God doesn't send a sickness on you to teach something, but he is aware of your sickness. But sometimes we bring it upon ourselves. Even the doctors know. I'm not saying that you live in guilt. I'm just saying get rid of your sickness. But sometimes, I guarantee, if I burn myself out physically, I usually get sick. I'll get the cold, I'll get the flu, whatever. I've seen it over and over again. You know what? I work very hard not to burn myself out. I know the signs and I know the senses. When I'm traveling and things are happening, I know when it's just a bit too much. I call on the grace of God, the anointing of his presence in my life. He always carries me through. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we just aren't foolish. So do you hear what I'm saying? I don't believe by any means that, you know what, you're my son, you're my daughter, so I'm going to make you sick to show you something. It's not God. I don't know about sinners. God's a good God. And I don't want to justify that perspective, and I can't say what God will or won't do. But he is bound in a covenant that he created. What do you mean God's bound? Oh, yeah, I'm sure that'll get lots of, just get a hold of Ike at windward.c. No, I'm just kidding. He is absolutely bound to a covenant. A covenant is between two individuals signed with blood till death do them part. That's a covenant. And the new covenant is what Jesus Christ did on the cross in resurrection power. So he's bound by the new covenant. And he's very, very clear on what you and I need to do with sickness in the New Testament. He's very clear. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and 
forever. He's not changing, but you and I do. If we're not changing, something's wrong. If we sit neutral, you're actually going backwards instead of forward. If you just stay the same as yesterday, you're going backwards because his spirit and presence is advancing across this earth. And I do not want to be left behind. And I do not want to formulate what Windward Ministries or Windward Church or Windward Network is going to look like. I do not want to formulate what it's going to look like. I do not want to even formulate what this service is going to look like today. I want to advance with what he has called us into. Revelation 1 verse 18. Revelations 1 verse 18. I am he who lives. You know what? Let's just, let's just go there give a bit of context on, uh, on what's happening, because this is just powerful, okay? Um, let's start in verse, uh, in verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead And behold, I am alive forevermore. This is Jesus Christ speaking. And he says, amen, which means let it be so. And I have this last verse, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Who has the keys? So if you get sick, the only way you literally will, I got to be careful how I say this. If you get sick, the only way you will die from the sickness is if you have fear that the sickness will kill you. Boy, that that can get twisted so far out. I, I, I want to clarify what I'm saying here. Sickness should never have a stronghold over your life, no matter what sickness you have. Because if sickness has a stronghold over your life and you fall into the bondage of the stronghold, then you will probably lead you down a path that could lead to ultimately to death. But Jesus Christ says very clearly that we go from glory to glory, which implies that any sickness in your body, go after his glory. And in his glory is where you get your healing. My mother passed away with cancer at 74 years old. And boy, did I ever cry out and pray for the miraculous. But you know what? She never let her sickness kill her. So what do you mean? You see, we get so wrapped up with physical and spiritual. And we start to blend our spiritual understanding with the physical aspect of a physical body and a physical mind. And you can't. Do I believe in the miraculous? Oh, boy, do I ever. Do I see miracles and healings? Absolutely. But I know one thing. I watched my mother. I was 20, what was I, 25 years old. I watched my mom. Cancer, liver, pancreas, spleen, tumor. Doctor said non-operable. Three months to live. Sharon and I weren't even engaged. Sharon and I got engaged. What was it, six months later? We got married, and mom was there and sang at our wedding. Right into the whole next year, she was with us. But you know what? Cancer never killed her. 
she literally, I know, because her attitude was never fear of the sickness. Ever. Ever. She never once looked me in the face and said, I'm fearful of this sickness or, or, or I'm angry at the cancer. All she had in her heart and her mind uh, from four generations of ministry in her family, all she had was pouring out love to us, the children, and to her husband, my dad. And she kept saying, God's calling me home. And I kept saying, don't say that. I'm watching people be healed internationally and around the world and locally. I'm, I'm, I'm with our papas and, and mamas in Bethel, and I'm watching this miraculous power and this miraculous power. I'm watching literally what you have be nothing and completely healed in Jesus' name. I'm watching it. Do I believe God used the cancer? I have no idea. That's God. He's, all I know is that Jesus Christ has the keys to death. No pain. She didn't have pain. She never grumbled and complained. She didn't live in fear. She kept saying, I'm so excited to go. I've served him all my whole life. And I'm like, I'm not excited for you to go. As a son, I'm not. She was quoting scriptures. Up to the last couple few days, she went into the hospital, but they put a drip, a morphine drip on her, and she just didn't have pain. I, it just, I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. I remember, you know, I remember when, when, when Grandpa, we'll call him Grandpa Johnson, Earl Johnson, I, I, we were connected, and, and he used to pray over us. That's, that's Bill's dad, and he used to pray over our family. He'd always call us aside and as we were missionaries coming up into Bethel, and, and Air, uh, uh, Grandpa Johnson, he used to pray over our family. And then he got cancer. And we Bethel people are like, what? And we went after it vigorously. But the day he passed away, I see this vision that cancer didn't kill him, that God just called him. And that his mantle split thousands of times. And every student, every person that went through those doors in that school got a touch of his mantle. But every piece had just as much authority and power as the full mantle did. I am not pro-sickness. I will go after sickness and disease like it is out of your body in Jesus' name. I will be obedient to what my Bible tells me to do and what's in my heart, and we will go after sickness, and we will see it eradicated and destroyed in your body. Absolutely. I am not pro-sickness. I hate sickness. I do not believe God created sickness. Because in the garden of Adam and Eve, there was none. I think sin created it. Disobedience. I'm not saying, and this is where the theology gets confusing. Some people believe because you're sick, you've sinned. Maybe you have. But we're going to go after the sickness and get it out of your body. I do not believe after Jesus Christ died and rose again on the cross. And I got to be careful how I say this. That your sickness is because of sin. Absolutely not. Now some people have lived such a sinful lifestyle that things have happened. 
and the lifestyle might have caused the sickness. An alcoholic that has lived in sin and the liver literally destroys itself, we pray for the miracle and we believe God will heal it. But sometimes he doesn't, but the person's restored. You're all staring at me. I want you to hear my heart, because I believe we're going to go after miraculous today. Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, sickness is not a good thing. Depression is not a good thing. Poverty is not a good thing. God did not give you that. He does not, did not give you the sickness. If God didn't give it, then we shouldn't have it in our life. You hear what I'm saying? God wants to give us and do good things for us. Isaiah 53, verse 5. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. 1 Peter 2, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, so important, we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 I want to say a restoration, but it's not. A reviving of our own understanding into the righteousness of who God is and the lifestyle that we're called to live righteously on this earth. There's been so many swaying left and so many swaying extreme right. But extreme left and extreme right doesn't mean it's the word of God. But I will say that there is a holiness, that in a righteousness, that in a justification that needs to rise up in our hearts and our spirits again to literally go after all that God has promised and given to us for this day now. Because so many times we, we get burdened, we get poor, we get, we get exhausted, we get stressed, we get sick, we get all these things, and we let those burdens dwell or live upon us or in us. And what happens then is it opens the wrong doors into the wrong camp. Kevin mentioned the doors. I had a word that I went down to the prayer room today about us being a door. Stacy. I think it was a Thursday night or something, had words about doors. And then this morning shared, a, shared a, a, a vision with me, which I felt very applicable towards our leadership. But it actually applied to the whole church. But Kevin mentioned in Psalms 24, open you gates, you everlasting doors. And let the King of Kings come in. Let him, let God come in. Let Holy Spirit come in. We're doors. We have a door. Your soul is everlasting. It doesn't die with your body. Your body can die, but your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, it lives forever. That's why I'm saying if you have a sickness, don't let the sickness destroy your soul. Don't let your sickness destroy your mind. Don't let the sickness invade you and overtake your perspectives of life. 
Because if you do, then you've given power and authority to the sickness. And I'm here to tell you, the sickness has no power and authority over your soul, over your mind, over your will, and over your emotions. The only one that has power over the will, your mind, and your emotions is you. No matter what sickness I have, it will not stop me from what God's called me into doing. And a matter of fact, it seems the more I believe that, the more I've lived it, the less sick I've gotten. First Peter 2, verse 24 again. Or oh, we did. No, we haven't done that one. Do we? Yeah, let's do it again. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins. I'm going to speak something. I want you to take it right. If you live in the fear of a sickness, fear that's not fear of the Lord, every other fear is actually sinful thinking. And if we live in the fear of a sickness, the fear of depression, the fear of a disease, the fear that we can't go outside in a rainstorm and the lightning will strike us, Whatever the fear is, when we live in the fear, that is not a holy fear. That is a demonic fear. That's an enemy fear. That's the wrong side of the camp. And I feel like we need to lose the fear. Some in here even need to lose the fear of a sickness. They need to lose the fear of depression. They need to lose the fear of their future. On the tree that we, having died to sins, died to fear. Died to fear. Of course you have to have the fear of the Lord, but the fear of the Lord looks totally different than the fear of sin, or the fear of sickness, or the fear of issues, or the fear of problems. It looks totally different. The fear of the Lord is a, is a righteous, joyous fear. The fear that the devil's going to get you is literally a fear that'll put you into hiding. It'll put you into a lifestyle where you've actually empowered and opened your door to the wrong side. When Kevin was sharing that this morning during worship, I felt just like I did down in the prayer room. It's like a confirmation of what the Lord gave me to bring to the prayer people today was that Jesus Christ is the key. And it wasn't that we were to unlock our door to him all the time. We have to do that. But that we were actually opening our door Letting the Holy Spirit out. Letting his presence come out. Letting the presence of God come out and literally affect the people around us. It's a two-way door. It's exactly right. That word stripes, by the, whose stripes we were healed is molopos. Molops. It means by the black eye, a punch, a blow, a bruise, wounded, Wounds that trickle with blood. By whose stripes? By the stripes, by the beating, by the black eye, by the, the, the stripes across his back, by, the, by literally the, the lashes, by the crown of thorns on his head with trickling blood. By the stripes, you were healed. Your healing has already happened, waiting for us to step into it today. That word healed is Iomai. 
It means to cure, to heal, to make whole. You see, the healing is physical and the healing is spiritual. It means, uh, it's used 28 times in, in, in the scripture, Eomai. It means to cure, heal, to make whole, to free from errors and sins, to bring about one's salvation. You see, it's not just you're made whole from your sickness. You need to be made whole from your errors and sins. It goes hand in hand. And not all the time. Usually, usually, I'm not saying always, when a disciples in Scripture or Jesus laid hands on the sick, they were non-followers. They weren't following the way. In other words, they were unsaved. As soon as he healed them, some of those started following him. Others would come to him and plead and ask for a miracle. Verse 517. Now it happened, sorry, Luke 517. Luke 5, verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We also see in the healing anointing, this part of a healing anointing, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. How many believe that during worship, the power of the Lord was present to heal? I have no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. We also see this healing anointing in Luke chapter 6, 19. Luke 6, 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for the power went out from him and healed them all. He, he literally, the, he was living in such a level, there was an atmosphere around him. His door was open to receive, but his door was open to pour out. Some of the greatest early miracles of my ministry life was when I had a herniated L5S1 disc and I was being confused in my mind why other people were being healed of disc problems and back problems, but I was not. But it drew me and it pushed me for three years into a season where I no longer cared about my back. All I cared about was his will and his way to be overcome everything in my life. And I was what, literally laying hands on people, watching them get healed of the same issue I had, but yet I wasn't. It was interesting. Whenever I got into the presence of God, some people call it the anointing. I call it the presence of God. When I got into the presence of God, I had no back pain. But as soon as I walked off that platform and I could feel the presence or the anointing start to wane a little bit because I'm tired. Oh, my back. And so what I learned and I started to realize that no matter what issue, ailment is in my physical body, I'm going to go after it with faith knowing that God wants me healed, number one. And number two, I'm going to live a lifestyle that no ailment's ever going to take me out. And the most important thing I started to learn was if I'm in his presence ministering and I have no ailment whatsoever, I needed to get in his presence 24-7. And I just needed his presence every day, every minute, every hour. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. 
We're called to do great works and greater works than those that we see in Scripture even. Yeah, but you're not Jesus. You're right, but I have him in me. Mark 16, 15 to 18. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is our destiny. This is our calling. Not just the preacher. Not just the speaker. Not just the healing evangelist. This is your in my destiny. That wherever we walk, there ain't no snakes going to be able to bite you. And if one does, shake them off and throw them in the fire and keep walking. I wonder what would happen if Paul would have gone, oh, oh, the devil is after me. He, he bit me. Look at it's swelling. Look at all oh, the venoms running up my leg. Oh, put a tourniquet on. Stop it. Stop it. I wonder what would have happened. But he didn't. It's like the enemy tried to bite him and literally latched onto him. And venom would have injected into his leg because all of the villagers knew that snake was deadly. And if you study it, that snake should have killed him within 60 seconds to two minutes. And what did he do? He didn't even stop what he was doing. He just grabbed it, shook it off, and threw it in the fire and kept on going. He didn't dwell on what just happened. He didn't camp out on it. Well, that person really hurt me, he stabbed me, he bit me. You know, they're really bad people. I really don't like them. And, and you know what, I, matter of fact, I hate them right now. I just think that, you know what, and you wake up all night, all day, all night. What are you thinking about? You think about what someone's done wrong to you. I will tell you, and what they did wrong to you, if you continually think about it, will infect you. And it'll make you sick. I'm not saying what they did was right. What I'm saying is what anyone has done to you should be eliminated if it was wrong in Jesus' name. And you advance and you keep going forward. take the false accusations they will take the pains of the past and throw it in the fire of hell because God says I am looking for a people's to walk like Paul's no matter what happens to you not carry it with you. Anything wrong that happens, you 
release it in Jesus' name. And if they drink anything deadly, even if someone tried to kill them, even if they actually chose a wrong path or they did something wrong, they drank something they shouldn't have, even if God is such a big God, it's not going to kill them because they're followers of Christ Jesus. doesn't give you the right to do wrongs. But let me tell you something. With a true, restorative, repentant heart, your wrongs will become your greatest power of testimony. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Matthew 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now look at verse 7 of Matthew chapter 10. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why do you think I stay so focused on the preaching and the teaching of the kingdom of heaven at hand? Because in it is the answers. The kingdom of heaven is touchable. It's right here. And your miracle's right there. Your future, the questions you have, the answers are right there. Right there. Some people, many people get sick because of stress. Because they're worried about the future. What does the Bible say? Worry not. Do not worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. And I guarantee you, if we start to make a transformation of our mind thoughts, today we'll start to prepare the advancement and the right living for tomorrow. We have to change, church. I love this ministry. I love Windrush. I love the churches of this valley. I love the churches internationally. But we have to change. If people want to come and be a part of this and just come along for the ride, praise God, there's seats for you now. We're not about just people coming along for the ride. We're actually looking for the ones that are transformational in their own mindset transformational in their own hearts. Ones that will get out of the wheelchairs and walk. Ones that will let the cancers go back to hell where they belong in Jesus' name. The ones that will not let. I watched a, a documentary on someone literally was, they had spinal bifida when they were young. And so they could never walk. It had never got diagnosed and fixed. Now they can fix those things. And so he was in a wheelchair, but you know what? He says, let's see how I'm going to miss it. He's not a believer, I don't think in any way. He said, I'm not in a wheelchair, I'm on a wheelchair. The wheelchair doesn't dictate who I am. He's actually in one of those motorcycle jumping shows where they do double backflips and he goes off with his wheelchair and he's strapped into it he 
and he goes off a huge, massive jump in front of 16,000 people and does a backflip and lands 100 and some feet down the ramp. Don't let a wheelchair dictate. Don't let anything dictate who you are because your identity is in Christ Jesus alone. But I go after the extra part. If our identity is right in Christ Jesus, then our faith is high. And our hope is high. Hope is a joyful expectation of good. Anytime you lose hope, then our circumstances will probably dictate our attitude and our understanding. We can't lose hope. Hope is the joyful expectation of something good. That's hope. So if you say, well, I hope, then you have a joyful expectation of something good. James chapter 5, verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save you, the sick. It means sozo. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It doesn't matter what sin sins you had. You can be forgiven of it all. In Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord and Savior. But I'm also speaking to the Christian people. Because sometimes we just let sins hang on. And sometimes we just let thoughts of the past and the issues and the problems that people are to us hang on. Don't sin. Jesus didn't hang on the cross going after in his own mind all the people that hurt him. He actually said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I have a feeling that's the last he thought about it. Oh, he had all the right to prophesy judgment on his murderers, on his mockers. But he actually didn't have the right. Because in the kingdom, you actually don't have that right. have the right to destroy someone else because I don't like them. Something the Lord laid on my heart also during worship. It's okay to have your own political opinion, but it's not okay to slander someone else's opinion. I thought that was kind of appropriate for today because I read some stuff on social media people that call themselves believers literally angry with hatred on another believer because of two different political parties I will tell you what you are wrong if that's how you feel be passionate about the party you believe is going to help this country but that does not give us access or right to slander someone else's opinion or perspective
Because Jesus wants you to be free and liberated of every disease, every sickness. I'm actually in a vision. do it between you and God, but the Lord is showing me that people need to come up and we're going to pray for them quickly. I just... And the reason I would, I would rather you just sit in your chair and receive from God and release, be released is because I believe everyone in here who's a believer, everyone watching on TV right now who knows Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, then I truly believe you have the power and authority through Jesus Christ not in fear, but in faith, knowing that you are healed. But at the same time, I know that Scripture is clear that we're to lay hands on the people. And I know, I know, and I believe it 100%, believe me. But the Lord is showing me, no. They need to come up and we're to release them with prayer. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask you, if you're sick here today, two sicknesses I want to talk about one physical and one spiritual the healing is the same for both it's actually harder to heal the spiritual side than it is the physical for God you hear what I'm saying when Jesus talked about the person that needed the healing and he brought up and mentioned you know about the salvation perspective of, of it the reality is, is to heal the physical is easier than healing the spiritual. Because the spiritual connection, the spiritual side of ours is your free will and my free will. The physical side, God can heal actually quite quickly. That's why we see so many unsafe people in our meetings and crusades literally get healed. It wasn't their faith that healed them. must believe and have faith for our own miracle. Many times the disciples and Jesus' healings for the sick were non-followers. And as believers, we really should not need the healing through someone else other than the laying on of hands by the elders. But really, we can actually heal ourselves with the power of Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit on us. There is no reason why we of the faith should not expect our own miracle. So when we unify our faith with someone else's faith for the miracle, we see miracles. And so if, if you're going to come forward for a healing, you're stepping into my faith with your faith, co-laboring together. Two, put the flight 10,000. One, puts the flight 1,000. But if you're a believer and you don't have faith for the miracle... Then we have to process and weigh out, is my faith strong enough to pull from heaven for your miracle? I would say if you were unsaved, that answer would be absolutely yes. Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Again, Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, 
believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's actually not about getting out of a wheelchair. I mean, that's, ooh, that's all, that's amazing, and we've seen it. It's more about the wheelchair. You're not in it, you're sitting on it. And it's a chair with wheels. Matthew 9, 22. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. She was the one that was bleeding for 12 years. She went after him and touched his cloak, touched his coats. And power left him because he already had faith. But he turns around and says, your faith has made you well. Matthew 9, verse 27, about the two blind men healed by faith. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. I'm asking you, do you believe that Jesus Christ can do this? And the answer is... Do you actually believe that I could do this through Jesus Christ working in me? And the answer should be, yes, Lord, because it's not me, it's him through us. You know I'm being bold here this morning. You don't hear me talk about myself like this, but I'm sick and tired of traveling off to all these different countries and seeing it happening, but it's not happening the same in our own local church. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. But you know what? But when they departed, they spread the news about him in all the country. Luke 17, verse 19, this is the lepers that were healed by faith. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Matthew 8, 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. This is the faith of the centurion to take back the miracle. That's what some of you are doing here today. If your faith is big enough to come to Jesus, to come into his presence, and to come into his authority and power in a different level right now, you're actually going to stand and take that healing back to someone in your family or a friend. That's going to take boldness by your part. You can't just receive here in the church and then go to your friend and say, Oh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, no. You have to go with faith. You have to go and you say, You know what? I was just at church. And I just walked into the presence of God. And I'm taking his presence and I'm bringing it here right now, the presence of God to heal you right now. But you know what? Most people are too fearful to do it because the fear is that, well, what if the person doesn't get healed? Then what are you going to look like? That's called the fear of man. And the fear of man will stop every miracle in your body and in your life. Let me say, could stop. God still is a miracle worker. It's not time 
to have the fear of man. It is not time. It is time to be as bold as a lion. To roar into the ground and watch the earth shake. John 4 verse 50. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. And so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. And the noble man's son was healed by faith. But we get, we take, and we give. Those three years, I fought with that herniated disc. Just to let you know, I refused the surgery and never had the surgery, and I was instantly healed. But during those three years, I prayed for more bad backs. And I watched them get healed, and I celebrated. I learned that my issue physically would not stop or change my understanding or perspective on someone else's miracle. I want to hang out here for the next couple hours. here maybe right now but as we're singing this I can see left and right I can see the miraculous healing hand of Jesus Christ but I also want to let you know you don't get healed the way you think you want to get healed you cannot believe that you're not healed if I ask God for more in my life and I want 100% more and I get 10% I celebrate for the 10 I'm expecting, I have great expectation. I've been praying this through this whole night. People are being healed physically and spiritually, emotionally in this house. But don't let your expectation of what the miracle looks like take you out of the miracle when you walk out those doors today. If you're saying, what do you mean, Brent? You don't have faith? Oh, I got faith. I'm just saying. We cannot let 
our own understanding of what we think it should look like. If you got 10% better today, celebrate the 10. I have seen more people get healed within the 24 hours. If you get 100% healed, celebrate the 100%. And don't keep it quiet. Well, Jesus said, keep it quiet. That's because his time wasn't ready yet, but his time is now, so don't keep it quiet. You find money somewhere, don't keep it quiet. You just paid a debt off, don't keep it quiet. You get out of a wheelchair, don't keep it quiet. You get a tumor gone, don't keep it quiet. Let's say half your tumor went, don't keep it quiet. You get a raise, don't keep it quiet. Celebrate. Canadians are too gentle and nice. Don't keep the miraculous quiet. Even if you don't get your healing the way you think you want it and you pray for somebody else and they get theirs, don't keep it quiet. 